everyone. This is The Changelog, and I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This is episode 132, and on today's show, we have Dave Kaneda joining us to talk about buckets. It's his project he's building on assembly. It's a CMS built on Node.js. Uh, great show today for you. Our sponsors for the show are CodeShip, DigitalOcean, and TopTile. We'll tell you a bit more about DigitalOcean and TopTile later in the show, but CodeShip, hosted continuous deployment service that just works. You can easily set up continuous integration for your application in just a few steps and automatically deploy when all your tests pass. CodeShip has great support for lots of languages, test frameworks, as well as notification services. They easily integrate with GitHub or Bitbucket and can deploy to cloud services like Heroku, AWS, Nojitsu, Google App Engine, or even your own servers. Setup takes, setup takes just three minutes. Get started today with their free plan and make sure you use our code, the Changelog Podcast. Again, the Changelog Podcast to get a 20% discount for three months on any plan you choose. Head to codeship.io slash the changelog and tell them the changelog sent you. And now on to the show. All right, we're back. This is uh, Adam. I got David on the line as well. Jared on the line. Jared, say hello. Hey, everybody. Got uh, sort of a bum voice this time around, so we'll keep your talking to a to a minimum. But David Kaneda is uh, is with us. He uh, hey everyone. He's, he's no stranger to the show. David, you had to remind me. Sorry that that you were on the show way back <laughs> when. That's okay. I think what was it? Five years ago. That was a very yeah. Let me go find the episode <laughs> number. Uh, you were on episode thirty, and that was like forever ago. July twenty seventh, twenty ten. There you go. That's oh. yeah, that's a long time ago. And uh, you were talking about Sencha at the time too. So yeah, that jogs a memory. I remember it was like I forget like a couple months after I first moved to California. Ah, and I've been here just about four or five years now. Gotcha. And so we're having you on the show today because. Uh, you're building an open source CMS on Node.js with MongoDB. You're building it on assembly. It's totally a side gig. So full time, you're a UX designer at Google. So you've got some, you know, you've got some history and the world knows some and probably uses several pieces of software that you've helped build or, or, uh, or, or prop up and whatnot. But that's what we have you on the show today. Uh, I think it was about two months ago, two or three months ago, we reached out and you weren't quite ready to come on the show and, now you're, I think you're at what, uh, <laughs> 0.7.0 now, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still super early in the project, but um, but yeah, it's, I got to tell somebody about it at some point. <laughs> yeah. So I guess for those who don't uh, know who you are and a bit more than what we just explained to Bacha, how do you introduce yourself? I, I say, in terms of like the whole title thing, I just say designer generally. Um, although, you know, for the past five years or so, I... I Definitely write way more code than I spend in Photoshop or anything like that now. But um, I identify as a designer. I started in print design, uh, got into the web, started doing Flash, you know, sort of all types of sites. And then sort of around that time, about five years ago, I did JQ Touch, which was a uh, JavaScript library for creating native-like experiences on the iPhone and then that just sort of led into a whole sort of avalanche of doing mobile work. And I think a lot of designers, especially like web designers, sort of fell down that path of getting into mobile. What year was that? I remember being a JQ Touch user back in the day. <laughs> it was... Uh, I remember being that, amazed like, by think, it, too. <laughs> thanks. I think that was like 
six or seven years ago that yeah. that first came out. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, it blew me away, like in terms of, you know, I just made this thing and I had, you know, sort of vaguely seen and used open source software, but I just thought, you know, what am I going to do? I'm not going to sell this thing, but, um, but I think it's powerful. So I, so I put it out there and, um, you know, this is like a little bit of a humble brag, but I was just kind of blown away to see, you know, thousands of people starting to use it. Didn't that transition to something else at some point? It went from JQ Touch to, to something else, I believe a paid product. Or- oh, so uh, two things. I, I basically, uh, Sencho, which was called EXTJS, yeah. mm-hmm. then hired me uh, and uh, we formed a small team to work on Sencho Touch. And that um, that was like commercial for like a month, and then it became free and all that is you know some corporate stuff. And then um, uh, and then JQ Touch itself was renamed to JQT at some mm. point because somebody like got angry for some reason. Uh-huh. Crazy trademarks. Trademarks. What were you going to ask Jared before I jumped in there? Uh, I was just going to say I think that it just. It struck a chord. There was a big need, or at least we thought we had a need for those types of toolkits at that time, right when mobile just started kind of exploding. It's funny these days because you still see them yeah, you all do. the time. There's Ionic now. There's uh, that one came out from the Bootstrap uh, team, like uh, Ratchet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting. So tell us about buckets. Yeah, I was gonna say this is uh, it's being built on assembly. <laughs> Let's dive into this product and and what's what's yeah, happening. Yeah, so there. I mean, I guess even before assembly, like buckets is just a thing I've wanted to do for a long time. I mean, I, I think I, I I would imagine the majority of web designers have either wished for a better CMS or tried to build one, or you know, it's definitely not a new issue or problem. Um, but I just, as I, as I left Sencha about two years ago, um, I had spent pretty much my entire time there doing this sort of front-end heavy uh, JavaScript and CSS, you know, framework. And um, was kind of eager to, to get back onto doing some server-side logic, doing just building apps uh, on both sides. And it was sort of just a, a thing I toyed around with the idea. And I, um, about a year ago, I was a designer in residence at Benchmark, a, uh, a VC firm here. And they, I, I sort of told them about it and, and what I wanted to do with it. And they expressed interest, um, possibly raising a seed fund or a seed round for it. Um, and so they said, uh, just get started, just, you know, build the thing or at least like throw together a prototype and, uh, we'll see where it goes. And after about a month of working on it, I just kind of like threw in the towel because it was, it was kind of, uh, isolating to, to just work on it, you know, day in, day out, uh, here out of my house and not sort of be sharing it. And I, the goal was always to open source it, but it just, you know, it had to run first. Anyway, uh, so it was uh, Matthew Smith uh, Whale on Twitter who uh, mentioned Assembly, and I saw that about six months ago. And I thought, well, I love the idea. I've always just kind of loved the idea of mixing uh, some sort of commercial incentive with open source. And I think there's, like, without a doubt, something to be done in that space. Um, And... 
so I thought this would be a great place to just throw buckets on there and see how people respond. Cause you know, I'd already basically given up on it or not even given up on it, but just, you know, I had already burned myself out on it. Um, and so in the beginning it was really just to seek, you know, some sort of validation of the idea. Like, is this something people would be interested in? Yeah, a lot in? of the, especially when you're getting started, especially when it's something like this, that's sort of homegrown to a degree. And, and as you mentioned there, quite possibly something you might even give up on if it's not something that other people can sort of encourage you in. Um, you sort of need a tribe to, to sort of validate whether it's something you should pursue or not. Like you said, it's a CMS isn't a new idea. Um, some of the questions I have are, you know, why this over others that are out there? What is this going to do better than some of those? But that'll come a bit later. But sure. I, I think if we can camp out just quickly on like taking it to assembly, um, I want to camp out there just for a little bit because it's it's sort of being built by the community, as they say, being built by the assembly community. Um, and yeah. that validated the idea. So what was about how long ago was that? And what was the initial reaction you got? First, let's can you give us uh, Jennifer, everybody, just a general thing of what assembly yeah. is, and then then go into the details. So assembly, um, and I think they're still pretty early on themselves, and so they're still figuring out. But the sort of high level concept is, you know, you can create projects that are either open source or just like open source, uh, where anybody can contribute, and that ranges from development, like directly on GitHub or uh, design mocks or marketing even, or copywriting. Mm. And you basically, you have bounties, which are similar to GitHub issues. Uh, you say, oh, we need uh, this feature or we need to be able to sign in with Facebook. And then as the uh, project creator or as the core team, you're actually able to assign a value um, to that bounty. And assembly sort of makes these values, uh, they use sort of like a cute, coin system, but ultimately it translates to uh, just a percentage of, of the product's potential uh, profit at one point. So um, as, pro- as assembly products start making money, they start to calculate a monthly profit fee and just simply distribute that every month to all of the coin holders based on how many they have. That's a very sort of uh, good thing but it's still even hard for me to grasp because it feels like it feels like it's potential like you said then you're not really sure how much it's going to be it feels like it's sort of pie in the sky at least to me but that's why i'm not on assembly contributing to anything but it's 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 a neat (laughs) thing for those who have like one thing i liked about that though of just outside of you know the idea of not just contributing code like if you go to the different bounties that are there you can sort them by all these different things, and if we sort yours by different tags, you've got back end, front end, development, simple, challenging product, you know, copy, yep. marketing. That's kind of neat because, like, if I'm a marketing guy that wants mm-hmm. to jump into a product, or I'm trying to, you know, get some notoriety, some authority in my, for my name, or I'm just starting out, you know, I can hop on assembly and start throwing ideas at different products here and and land a team and have ownership. Yep. Is what you're saying with that those coins on bounty or on assembly. Yep. And, and like you said, I think like I've always been sort of a, a general product kind of guy. I like design. I like marketing. Yeah. I, I even like copywriting. And I've always sort of enjoyed both ends of it, whether you're doing the actual hands-on work or more of a directing, like sort of a creative directing position or, or something. Um, and so like I think a great example is just our logo. Um, 
And that's actually a good like, thread. I like that one too. A bucket, yeah, uh, with a sort of a little smiley face kind of built in. And that was something, I mean, it's simple and it's, it's straightforward. And uh, a friend, John Peel, made that. Um, but uh, it was something I, I just kind of had a, had a very rough idea. I think if you saw that thread, I, I actually just grabbed a photo off of Google image search, literally like took four minutes, um, drew some eyes on it and said, here's kind of like the concept I'm thinking. And somebody illustrated it and, and with a great style to it. And I sort of wanted the yellow background and everything. But, but ultimately, it came, came out as something that was just super simple, super friendly. And that's all I wanted it to be. You know, and it was, it was perfect. You, you, can see the, you can see the riffing, too, back and forth between you and the contributors and Whale, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of the iterative process, too, through this bounty slash kind of GitHub issue-ish kind of thing. Yep. And so you, you can sort of see the morphing and, and even the collaboration. That's I, I like how neat it came out too. I think it's a it's a good direction. But let's let's jump on sort of getting to assembly um and what that did for, for you and your inertia towards buckets. Yeah, I mean again I think just having people say, Oh hey, that that would be nice uh is is a huge thing, you know, because uh, especially in the like uh, creating a product that is so overdone or done so many times, um, like even within the Node community, which is way you know way newer, yeah. way younger than PHP or anything like that. Even within the Node community, there's already four or five sort of prominent, and still they they don't really compare in terms of uh, scope to WordPress or Expression Engine or Drupal yet, but. Um, but still, there's there's competition kind of everywhere, and so, you know, when you're going to throw your hat in the ring, so to speak, and and try to do your own, uh, yeah. you first want to know, okay, is there somebody out there who would like to see it done differently, or that kind of thing? Yeah, when I searched for Node CMS on Google, what, there's several that came up, but one that looked like it was decent, and I. Sorry if I haven't seen this one before. Um, I'm not hanging out in the Node community too much, but enough to know it's there and what's going on there. Keystone JS was one of the examples, and they got a decent design. They've got you know a decent product direction in terms of what is happening with it. So, like you said, it's, it's sure. not something that's new. They so, terrify me. Uh, they do. No, no, uh, <laughs> no. It's, it seems super cool. Um, and Same like, feature set too. It's Node and, and Mongo. Something. Yeah, it's it's a similar kind of feel, I think. Yeah. Um, and then just to throw out the others, like, uh, well, there was one called Calypso, but it seems like that one died down. And that was never, uh, I want to be nice on the show, but like it was never it's 404 right now. too pretty. Oh. It was not like, you know, like, oh. um, but then there's, there's Ghost as well, which Ghost right. is tremendously beautiful, you know, Kickstarter right. project. And it's very Beautiful, well-designed, and, and actually a very similar architectural setup to, to what we have, um, which kind of happened by happenstance. I swear I didn't copy them. But, um, <laughs> but the interesting thing was always that, you know, I knew about Ghost when I started Buckets, but I, I actually wanted to do something that was kind of completely the opposite in some ways. Uh, so Ghost basically came, like, looked at something like WordPress and said, okay, this has grown to the point where it's not even really great for blogging anymore. Uh, so let's like strip it back down to, to what made it great for blogging. 
Whereas with buckets, I wanted to create a tool that was more for these big websites. You know, when you're like a web designer and you have to do a website for a university or something, it's not so much about, okay, does it give you that single panel uh, text area with a nice preview? It's more about, is the content structured uh, correctly? And, and how easy is it for the um, end user to just input content? Right. Yeah, it's a, there's pros and cons on, on both sides of that. That's, that's where I was wondering, too, what you might think um, of Ghost versus Buckets because you know, people tend to take a blog software and try to make it more than it is. Uh, and then you sometimes try to take a CMS and make it a blog software and uh, a CMS, and they end up doing too many jobs and not enough focus on the end user and the content. Because that's yeah, so- part of the huge piece of being a CMS, too, is actually managing the content, not just theming or design. It's, it's got several different... Totally. Yeah. And I look at it as, like, not to say that we'll never have a full-page, full-screen markdown editor similar to IA Writer or something like that, uh, but that, that's definitely not going to be a place that we head soon. I see it, like, in, in terms of, like, the experience I want to deliver, and I think you bring, you bring up a good point in that, like, CMSs have, have two audiences, which is sort of the content administrators and then the designers, the web designers. Right. Um, and so for the content people, I want it to feel like Tumblr. Um, and that was like sort of a big inspiration for Buckets was this idea that you go into Tumblr, you have these five sort of types of posts you can create, which are uh, text, video, chat, photo, and link and they're just extremely well-designed, well-tailored uh, sort of input fields for these types of content. And then when you're working with a system like Expression Engine or Drupal or one of these bigger CMSs, you define content into these like sort of distinct blobs in a similar way. Uh, but usually the UX just isn't even anywhere close to that Tumblr experience, right? Right. And so... That was sort of, that's sort of the driving force for me on the, the content creator side, is to, to make it feel like that, to, to make more of a Tumblr than a medium. So I guess to those who, because we've had John Nolan on the show before to talk about Ghost, for those who think they might want to use Ghost versus something else, how does this differentiate from blogging software, I guess, in the, in the bigger picture? It's full-on CMS. Where, what is some of the vision for... Um, the, the CMS pieces? So a couple things. One, like you create buckets and you define the fields on those buckets. So, you know, you could create a recipe and every you say every recipe has a cover photo, a title, a uh, list of ingredients, and a uh, steps, let's say. You know, and you can sort of fine-tune those fields and, and uh, manipulate those fields. And I, And I want those fields to be sort of very rich at the end. When you say manipulate, do you mean like validation? Um, validation, just sorting. Uh, most fields come with a good amount of options, but, but there's still a lot of work to be done in that right. area. But essentially that's the idea, as opposed to you know every item in your CMS has a title, a body, and an excerpt. Um, it's much more define it yourself. And so you come up with these, you end up with these forms that are just sort of very specific to your content. That's helpful too. Like you said earlier on whenever the designer, the builder of this throws it over the, the fence to the end user and says, okay, university, 
here's your site. They don't have to, you know, give a ton of docs. It's like go here and create and, and exactly. read the form. Exactly. Yeah, like like at the end of the situation. day, that that side of it, if you look at all social networks or you know of a certain type that manage content, you know people use them every day and and sign up for them by themselves and and figure them out, right? And and that essentially is what a CMS is. Like if you look at something like Pinterest, it, it gathers photos and and puts them into this nice layout. But you know that's essentially a theme that grid that you get to the content that you're adding in. And there's no reason that a CMS can't provide that same ease to, to sort of get into it. Um, yeah. Let's pause the show for a minute. Give a shout out to a sponsor, DigitalOcean. Simple cloud hosting built for developers. In 55 seconds, you'll have a cloud server with full root access, and it just doesn't get any easier than that. Pricing plans start at only 5 bucks a month for half a gig of RAM, 20 gigs of SSD drive space, one CPU, and one terabyte of transfer. That's a lot for 5 bucks a month. DigitalOcean also has data centers all across the world. New York, San Francisco, Amsterdam, Singapore, and their newest region, London. You can easily migrate your data between those regions, making your uh, data always closest to your users. Use the promo code changelog November in lowercase. It's important that you use lowercase changelog November to get a $10 hosting credit. When you sign up, head to digitalocean.com right now to get started and back to the show. So we're talking about some of the philosophies around it where, and I think you might even say we're getting there. We're not quite there yet. Where exactly are you? You know, we know you're at zero point seven point zero, but what does that mean? What, what's, yeah, so, what's some of the features that are built out now? I, and like, admittedly, development has slowed down the past couple of weeks. I think partly due to uh, just getting into some stuff at, at the Google and and sort of putting in some the extra Google. time. <laughs> uh, but also, um, I've been sort of, I guess, just mentally kind to trying to figure out the next place. Well, I, I'll go back. So. At first, like the the first two months or so, the development was very heavy because I was I was sort of focused on that uh, the admin panel, which is sort of my, you know, what I am best at focusing on uh, in terms of like UI, UX, the JavaScript uh, architecture. Uh, the whole thing is a single page app, which again, compared to a lot of systems out there, is a lot different, and which which also means it's like sort of crazy fast. Um, when you're using the admin. So I, I worked on a lot of the sort of interface, which is still very basic, but um, kind of rich in, in a lot of ways. And then I worked on uh, search for a little while. That actually hasn't even shipped yet. I've just kind of kept that off to the side because I'm, I'm still not 100% sure I want to go with Elasticsearch. But, um, but anyway, it was sort of just this, you know, creating features, creating the template parser, um, which is sort of based on handlebars right now, and those types of things, and to the point where it can now create a very basic website. And, and we have maybe six or seven different types of uh, fields that you can add on to each bucket. So now I'm, I'm sort of hitting a point where I know that eventually I do want to offer this as a, as a SaaS offering. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I think I I'm in no place in terms of uh, sysops to be um, sort of kicking off managed 
instances of buckets, you know, because it is Node and it, and yeah. it does have to run in, in a cloud environment. And so sort of the clearer and, and obviously much simpler path for buckets to take is, is to become sort of multi-tenant and to allow, you know, multiple, not just multiple users, which it, which it already supports, but multiple accounts that are all creating their own websites. And I'm, I've been sort of been wrestling with this idea for the past two weeks because I, on one hand, I want the system, and in some ways, even though it's very different in terms of being Node, the architecture, I want it to feel like WordPress or text pattern or, or those older PHP ones where, okay, I install it on my computer, I can run it at localhost, I move it to a server, I run it over there. Um, where if we switch to this sort of, platform uh, approach, obviously a lot of that ease sort of goes away. Um, it's a hard line to follow too when you make that choice because it's going to impact, uh, you know, you work full time, right? So you got yeah. little time. And so the yeah, time you yeah. do spend, you want to you want to spend on progress, not exactly. hemming and hauling. Now you're seeing exactly why I've been uh, twiddling my thumbs a, a little bit the past week. So but um, Maybe you can come to some of these decisions here on the show. I don't know. But to, to me, I feel like it comes down to figuring out your target audience, right? Like, and that's sort of a question I have next is like, you know, when you ship this, when it's ready at whatever stage it's at, the 1.0, who is, you know, who's your short list of the kind of people that you're going to seek out? Is it people on Squarespace? Is it people using WordPress? Is it PHP developers that yeah. are tinkering with JavaScript and Node because, you know, because of the ubiquitousness of it lately and, not lately, but just the the trend of the upward trend of the last few years towards JavaScript, and yep. you know, is it people that hack on Ruby that make it's, their own stuff? Like, it's who's your definitely customer? web designers? Um, okay, and like a hundred percent, I can say initially people with HTML and CSS uh, experience and, and who want to use HTML and CSS. Um, the the idea being that I've just always sort of thought content management. Uh, and especially when you look at these web content management systems, like, you know, I, I don't think a lot of them handle that content creation side well, like we were talking about, sort of on the user experience angle. Um, but then also on the web designer angle or web developer, like grabbing that content and then like putting it into a page should be extremely easy. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I've always personally just cringed when I see like, uh, WordPress templates using raw PHP, <laughs> um, things like that. But so you mentioned WordPress. Is there anything about WordPress that you've used before that sort of? Because if you take the thirty-seven signals approach, it's always like have an enemy, right? Yeah. And a don't use Gantt charts was Basecamp's original yeah. thing, and that's sort of what kicked that off. And it was like you know, it's about conversations and people, not and things to do, not Gantt charts and graphs and whatnot. Totally. So who's your enemy? So it wouldn't be WordPress. I always just say WordPress because like when you're, you know, it's the it's, yeah, lowest it common denominator. of the net. Yeah. So. Um, but it, it's really Drupal. Uh, I would definitely, uh, I would say Drupal. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything that feels like... Well, they've a, got a pretty cult-like following though. Like they anybody do. Who, and who and does it's, it's a use giant Drupal? community and it's a, a somewhat kind of yeah. gross product. Uh, and I, I feel bad putting down anything, you know, at any time, even on Twitter and stuff. But um, but if I had to, you know, obviously I'm, I'm making a competitor. So there has to be some stuff out there I don't like. Um, but Drupal, Drupal sort of represents that, you know, it you look like you're using 
PHP my admin or some, you know, like database administration tool. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I would say even like systems that I, I'm really fond of, like Craft uh, came out and, and that came sort of out of the expression engine community. One of the developers, I think his name is Brandon Kelly. I hope I get that right. Um, who, who did a lot of plugins and, and sort of the most popular plugins for expression engine made his own CMS. And, and it's, really elegant. There's like a lot of ex- extremely impressive pieces to it, but it's still to me just at a certain point feels a little bit like just rows, you know, tables of lists and then you click and you're in a detail view and, you know, like uh, that very sort of straightforward um, database administration feel. <laughs> well, now that we've talked a bit about, I guess, some of maybe your your competitors, enemies, inspiration, whatever, however you want to word that. Obviously, you're building this around a community on assembly. So how does, how has, and how does, and how is the the community that's sort of, because you've got 294 followers on assembly for this project. I don't know how many are really actively involved or involved or contributing ideas, but how do they help funnel this idea of monetization and the overall, what would be the architecture of how you build this product? So, this is kind of like a weird answer, but kind of not enough in some ways. I, I, I wish there was a little bit more, or I wish you know I knew of, of people that I could just say, okay, this is my team of five people that I can ask these sort of high-level big questions to. Regarding the multi-tenant sort of ambitions, I think that I am planning a blog post. I, I might put it out tomorrow or Monday about this and, and sort of asking the community, what do they think? Do they have ideas? That kind of thing. Um, I didn't want to publish that blog post until I had a little bit more concrete plan on how we would do it, which um, I'm going to outline in there. But uh, in some ways, like, and, and it also sort of goes up and down. Like uh, some weeks, uh, there will be no activity on assembly, and I'll, um, I'll like sort of post things in the chat and, and it just goes quiet for a couple days or like a week. Um, and then other weeks I'll, I'll get, you know, people making bounties, people adding pull requests sort of every day. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess that's kind of typical for all open source software, or at least in the beginning, in the early stages. But it's, a, it's an odd thing to create a CMS, I think, because, or, or even any sort of big... Uh, I guess, app, and, and not just something that's a framework or a tool or a library, uh, which I guess is what I'm used to. So, because, like, you know... Well, your I, trajectory is so far, right? I mean, right. it can go so many different directions and everybody has an opinion. And, and I also just don't, like, if I put myself in somebody else's shoes, like, I would never use buckets. Like, who, <laughs> who, um, who wants to build a... Did he just say that, Jerry? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think he did. I'm trying to wait for the, for the rest of the sentence. Yeah, the punch no, at, at this stage, I, I shall uh, supplement it with. At this, at this stage, like, who would build a website, um, mm. you know, for a client on alpha software? Um, yeah. Personally, I would not. Uh, and, and I don't expect anyone to. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's hard for somebody to play with something or to, you know, experiment or uh, test something, uh, you know, 10 to 15 hours a week when they're not doing something productive with it at the same time, you know? Unless, though, unless they have the same pain as you and they want buckets to, to exist just because 
of the same ideas and the same pain points you've experienced, which is a good builder experience and a good client level experience that surpasses others that are in your space. Yep, totally. And I think I've had uh, from assembly maybe two or three people who have really um, done a surprising amount, uh, more than I expected uh, with certain parts of the, the app. So how does that work when somebody wants to get involved with buckets via assembly? Do they just sign up and say, I'm here, I can help, I think this is cool, and you say okay? Can you say no? <laughs> um, no, I can't say no, interestingly. I just really? had a spam sign up, the first one ever, like uh, a week ago. I don't know if it was spam. Maybe the guy really, like, his grandma's really sick or something, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't I can't get him out of there. I think they're they're going to help me out with that at some point. But um, no, they uh, it's actually it's very much like you just described. In fact, if you go to assembly.com/buckets, like uh, they just revamped the uh, sort of homepage feed, and you can see people's bios as they're signing up. Um, they just pop in. And I think mm-hmm. when they sign up for a project, uh, Assembly asks them, hey, say a little bit about yourself. Why, why are you interested in buckets? And so they usually say, you know, oh, I've, I've, uh, you know, I'm a Java developer. I've played around with uh, some Node or, you know, uh, I'm more on the marketing side, but I'd love to help, that type of thing. And then I typically, you know, I, I try to sort of give everybody a, a custom hello and and make sure you know they can find the things uh, if if they want to help if they want to contribute like I, I I'm always telling people if if you need a bounty like I think there's like a hundred some on assembly right now because um, I basically will throw any idea I have into the bounties um, if you want a bounty literally just ping me either IM me or Twitter DM me or, or hit me up in the assembly chat and just say this is the type of stuff I like to do um, and I'll find one for you. I can find one within 10 minutes. So as hey, the project the, owner you create the bounties. Um, I think create anybody can create the bounties. I hope anybody can. Yeah, any. So if you sign up, anybody can create a bounty. Anybody can create a discussion. Yeah, and then um, I don't know how the assignment of coins applies to that, but I'm assuming that's probably something that's on your side. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, again, because uh, I don't I want to, but I don't play with sort of other people's projects much. I just don't have enough time. I would love to like just jump in on somebody else's too, but um, yeah. So I know what it's like for me when I create a bounty and it gives me sort of the coin. Um, Interface, but I I don't know what it looks like to anyone else. It's kind of I, I doubt they would just like, let you create a bounty with zero coin value. Yeah, you got to give up something, right? Yeah. Seems and then like the interesting thing is, every bounty uh, dilutes the pool of coins. It's, it's simply added on top. Um, so you're not subtracting from a hole. You're actually just adding. Yeah, to which a pile. I like a lot, you know, because yeah, if that's better. You have like. Let's say you own ten percent of buckets. Um, it, it sort of guarantees that you have to keep doing something. Not a mm-hmm. not a lot, but in fact, less so, sort of exponentially over time. But uh, you have to do something to maintain that ten percent level. You know, right? So, man, it sounds like this is a little bit wild west in the sense of, okay, from from a from a person who's trying to get involved, it's very speculative. It, it's you're investing. It's kind of like Kickstarter for open source to a certain degree as far as you're not selling people, you're not trying to get people's money, you're trying to get their time and you pitch them on your project. 
and for them, they're investing their time and their skills into something that they hope will make money some, at some point. Yeah. And yet somebody, somebody could come in and just completely harpoon this thing, <laughs> right? By just being like a total loser contributor. Totally. And, yeah. and that's where, that's where <laughs> risky. we're a little bit, I think we're on the more um, special side of assembly in that way. You know, there are products on assembly that are already making money. Okay. Um, and, you know, and again, I think this also comes back to like a CMS is a little bit different in that it's, it's clearly like a long tail thing. It's a, it means establishing a community, a plug-in system, uh, you know, all those mm. things that, that are not going to be, you know, six months away. They're, I almost feel like they should be a little restrictive, though, because if you can't, I feel like the for you, for Buckets, for yeah. this open source CMS that hopes to one day be a SaaS product that generates some revenue, I feel like for you, you want to be able to assemble a team that you don't personally know that you can attract people to and join ACA a collaborative community that isn't on GitHub because GitHub's more open source than it is assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, but still have free reign of like who can join the team or not, like who earns well, their way. So no, no, but, um, but you don't earn any coins unless you complete a bounty. Right, right. Of course. But like joining, you know, the discussions and just sort of like spamming, like, like the one person you'd mentioned, I feel like. I'm actually, that's... I'm kind of okay with that. I mean, there's like, that was only one, sign up and he exactly. had a weird uh, thing about his grandmother and his bio. But, um, <laughs> uh, but aside from that, That's you know, funny. we get very little noise and, and I actually, I would actually up to the other side of that where um, I, I've actually, and you know, I talked to the assembly guys and, and I'm, I'm kind of friendly with them and I actually pushed them to, to allow more anonymity within the app Um you know, for example, the chat, it would be great if, if uh, anonymous people could join into the chat, I think. And I realize that's asking for a whole world of hurt. But at the same time, like I'm sure you've seen products or sites where they have sort of an open Slack room that you can join if you have some sort of pre-install or pre-sales questions. Um, yeah. And I, I actually like that, you know, and if, if Hopefully there are tools, you know, for banning or whatever, uh, spam types of things. But um, but in general, even like, you know, on GitHub, uh, I like getting issues from random people. Uh, that, and that's another thing I've discussed and, and we're sort of, I'm sort of in the process of discussing with Assembly is uh, we're sort of debating whether or not to allow uh, GitHub issues because, you know, it it's clearly creates like a little bit of confusion over, okay, where do I put this bug? You know, is it bounty or is it a, a GitHub issue? Right. I kind of want them to open it up because, uh, you know, my sort of thought is not everybody who uses buckets is going to come from assembly. Uh, and, and GitHub is clearly in the developer community, a, a pretty well-known prominent tool. Everybody has an account. Everybody has used the issues before. Um, but I, you know, I see both sides of the coin there, but yeah, in general, I, I love the idea of as open as possible. Let's pause the show for a minute. Give a shout out to a sponsor, TopTal. If you've listened to the show over the last year, you've definitely heard us talk about TopTal. We, uh, we've seen firsthand the, the fruits and benefits of having TopTal in the community, helping marry really great opportunities for developers with really great developers. Uh, as TopTal says, elite engineers. Um, I wanted to mention, because this is a Node.js-focused show, um, you can actually hire top Node.js developers right now on TopTal. And if you are 
a top Node.js developer and you are not working with TopTal and you'd like to check out freelancing or go into some of that kind of stuff, you can uh, go to toptal.com slash Node.js. You'll find uh, really awesome Node.js developers in their community already. Um, and at the very top of the screen, you can see apply as a developer. Click that button right there. It'll take you through the process of actually becoming an elite engineer with TopTal. Go to toptal.com slash Node.js. And now back to the show. We've talked a while I guess we try to establish what what size of the team you do have or don't have. So it seems like you're the core team right now. Yeah. Who else is on the team with you? I would say um, so. Nobody. I, I keep myself as the core team for now. Like I would, I would absolutely adore to sort of promote somebody else to the core team. But I, was- uh, I think as a core team, you get sort of I forget. I think it's like three to five percent of all um, bounties is just sort of reserved for you. And it, and that 5%, I think, is, is split among the core team. Uh, and not like I'm trying to sound greedy, but, you know, uh, if somebody's going to, if, we, if I start splitting that and we get 2.5% each, like I just want to make sure it's somebody that's committed. Committed, yeah. Into it, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so if somebody was just sort of knocking out bounties for like two months straight, um, I, I, I wouldn't hesitate. But anyway, for now, I'm, I'm the core team. I think if you were to look at our GitHub, I think we've had about 15 or so contributors. Um, some of them smaller than others, but um, I would say 10 to 15 people in general have really jumped up on the, the code side. So maybe 20 to 25 people total in terms of also design things, uh, et cetera, on assembly. Shout out to uh, Charles Pletcher. He's got, uh, let's see how many commits he's got, uh, 69 commits. So he actually, he's part of Assembly. And, okay. Uh, oh, wow. there you go. He jumped on early on. And, uh, <laughs> he did. He did some awesome, fantastic stuff for the templates and everything. Um, I've been sitting over here thinking, it just sounds like what you're missing is a is a partner in crime. Like you, like a second person, somebody more on the system backend ops side that really would just complement your talents. It seems like you're pretty well-rounded, but to help make those big decisions, you know? Uh, I was thinking a lot about last year as I was like trying to do this sort of on my own was I just thought, oh, if I just had that that technical co-founder, you know, that mm-hmm. like dream thing everybody around here wants. But but at the same time, I don't, you know, I've, I've, I've done businesses and, and sort of apps and things uh, with partners that I've, met and just sort of reached out to and all, all kinds of things. And I just sort of thought this is for me personally, like much more of a long tail thing. And if there was that person, like I would want a lot of trust in that person. You know, I, I just wouldn't want it to be something I, I, you know, post an ad on weekendhacker.com and right. somebody's, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, you know, cause it's just, that's, it's great for getting off the ground, but it's that like, you know, two years in and you guys have different ideas of how mm-hmm. it becomes a business. I just didn't want to deal with any of that, which is a little, not narcissistic, but you know, it's a little limiting in that I'm like putting a lot on myself for now. But, um, but like I said, I'm, I'm open to it. I, if somebody, you know. Seems like assembly is a decent vetting solution for that where you can, you know, they can come and put their time in, get, get some, I guess, equity over time. Build up trust, show that they got the skills, and then eventually could become that person. 
I actually did offer it to, to Charles, to uh, Charles Pletcher, uh, like a few months ago. I said, you should become part of the core team because he clearly sort of knew what was going on in the architecture. And, and I think he had a good idea of where I was going. But he was like, you know, uh, I'm going to eventually I'm going to have to spend some time on other assembly projects and actually put in time for assembly itself. Um, so he, he declined. But um, hopefully one day. So if you're out there and you're a back-end hacker, as Jared just uh, described, and, and you like David and you think that Buckets has a good direction and you could just hop in, work hardcore for two months and he'll promote you to core. <laughs> totally. I, and right? Yeah. I mean, if I were to de- describe my dream situation, if like I've, I've completely loved working on the Node side and I love working with Node, um, but like you said, like it's sort of more in that sysops realm that I, I just, it's not as fun for me. Like if I got to spend, you know, twice as much time just kicking out the user interface and doing more custom fields, yeah. you know, we need like relationships, um, types of fields. We need repeater types of fields. Anyway. So we, we talked a ton about the, the product itself, but we're obviously this is the change log. We like to get a little technical, um, on this show, so you mentioned Node, obviously MongoDB. I, I saw earlier in uh, in your history too, you moved from Rethink to to Mongo. Mm-hmm. And I think that was for Windows. Is that still like what were some of the reasons why you chose Node and chose Mongo, and and why Node? So Node was the easy choice because I just knew I wanted to do it in Node. Um, the reasons for that are, um, you know, uh, partly convenience because I am a front end guy, and so JavaScript feels natural to me. Um, it was partly an experiment because I just wanted to try something new. Um, I think, you know, and again, I'm more of a front end guy, so I, I don't want to like say the wrong thing, but like looking at sort of the spectrum of all the different server side tools and things you have now. Um, you know, I'm personally, I'll just never build a Java app. Um, <laughs> Ruby is, to me, just Ruby seems like the, uh, I'm going to get in trouble here, but sort of a Uh-oh. childish equivalent of Node. Oh, <laughs> uh, yikes. Not, not, yikes. Not quite as, no, no, I think, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> How so? How so? <laughs> it's It's just not quite as, impressive in terms of its scalability, right? Um, and the, the sort of asynchronous, evented nature of, of Node um, actually allows for certain things. Like, I think on the, the surface, they seem quite similar. Um, but at the end of the day, in a lot of situations, Node is much, much faster. Um, and for me easier to develop in because it is JavaScript. The evented model provides for that, right? So, Yeah. and um, Which you can do in Ruby, but it's not. You know, the typical web frameworks are not using event machine, so they don't have that built right in, whereas Node does. Yeah. What about the, the back end? Um, I think a document-based uh, database makes a lot of sense because you're CMSs are basically just storing a bunch of documents. Is that kind of where you started, and then you? Yeah, and and that again was partly an experimentation, and and I still have people once a week warn me that MongoDB is going to start vomiting in my face at some point. But, <laughs> um, uh, 
But so far, it's been great. Uh, you know, it was something that, again, during while I was at Sencha, I basically only worked on client-side projects for, for three years or so. And I, and I saw sort of these, uh, you know, NoSQL or document-based databases were becoming really popular around then. Um, I mean, that's a bit of a miss. Was, obviously, I was probably late to the bandwagon, but, um, but I, I saw a lot of that while I was there without actually using one. And I just, you know, after you, when you spend so much time with JavaScript and working with objects, the idea of using objects to query your database or to be able to inject objects into places within your database is just sort of extremely appealing. And that was sort of the initial uh, impetus. And I did, I started with Rethink just because I had heard sort of of various war stories of of Mongo. And uh, Rethink seems to be sort of one of the cooler new kids on the block. But, you know, a big reason I went with Mongo was just because of Mongoose in the Node ecosystem. It's it's just, to me at least, far sort of further ahead than any other sort of ORM, ODB type thing. Hmm, that's interesting. So the, the Mongoose library itself was the kind of the deciding factor there for you. Yeah, definitely one of the bigger uh, decision makers. Yeah, just the built-in validation, the uh, relationship management, it was all just super, super straightforward. I guess there's some, there's some symmetry there with you know, your desire for uh, clean user interfaces and thinking about that user experience. If you find an API that you really love, it makes sense. It, it you know it's it's a huge factor, and that's another thing which I, I put a lot of sort of focus on within buckets and and you know it's it's I do say like it's it's my project and so I I do stuff in it that um, not everybody's going to like it's how I like to program certain things but in reality uh, again this is highly contentious um, buckets is like ninety percent like if you look at the stats on github it's like ninety percent coffee script um, like pretty much the entirety of buckets whether it's the front end user interface or it's the server side uh, models and database connections uh, is all written in coffee script well you're not going to have any arguments for me on that one but I think most people would <laughs> you know it's it's one of those contentious things but it yes I just thought in the beginning especially in the beginning like you know this is not something that people are just going to jump in and I'm going to start getting 20 pull requests a week mm-hmm. no matter what I write it in right and so I might as well write it in the thing that keeps me motivated and keeps you know makes it the lowest sort of um cognitive overhead for me to jump in and fix a bug. Interesting. Do you think that that has paid off as an early decision? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I, you know, there's always that sort of worry in the back of my mind that I'd have, you know, 10x the contributors if it was in raw JavaScript. But uh, again, it's it's that, like, I like how the app looks, you know, like in, in terms yeah. of the source code, like, mm-hmm. and and the dependency management and the modules, you know, it's it's um, it's it's somewhat artificial, which I think is the problem. But I think people are getting more and more comfortable with that. You know, with Grunt and Gulp and Browserify and all these things, people are starting to see how uh, JavaScript can be sort of crafted in kind of a less gross, kind of loosey goosey way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and. Uh, I'm going to bring it old school now, but it, like JavaScript 
for me at least, especially with ActionScript, is starting to look like sort of ActionScript 3 of like, you know, eight years ago or so, where you're, you know, you're importing classes or you're requiring classes, you're extending things. You know, it's, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's a whole different space. Sure is. Uh, I think one thing we're going to link out to that may not uh, quite fit into this call, but you've sort of talked in and around it, but uh, is your vision document, which I think is pretty neat to have on um, on your repo. It's just talking about the general philosophies and where you're heading for the future. So I think is some of that replicated back in assembly to, to sort of, because it's, it's back in that space where do you send people to GitHub, to the repo, to a readme or a markdown file, or do you send them to assembly? Yeah. Like where do they do um, that to, to kind of get, interested yeah and so so far like assembly has a sort of main descriptor for the project and then it's just sort of replaced that on the main page with a timeline for the project but um but in general like they've always been sort of assembly has always been sort of more geared around the flow of things and and the bounties and and things like that like it's not like Basecamp where you have those uh uh, I forget what they called them, but they were whiteboard like ten years ago. <laughs> you know, these like permanent, like we're going to edit, copy together kind of uh, mini application. Yeah. Um, and so I just wanted uh, sort of a permanent place to store copy, uh, and just decided to throw it in there with GitHub. I do wish I was better about keeping these things in sync. You know, it's like it's like keeping your avatars in sync across different profiles. Like I, I just find myself, I'm just always tweaking copy for buckets. Like whether it's the, the, the Twitter uh, bio or it's the GitHub homepage readme or it's the assembly front page, you know, um, yeah. I don't have like one central thing. And then I, you know, like a press app or something. Well, that, that leads into probably the first of our closing questions, which is, you know, sort of a call to arms. So, you sort of talked about your own uh, keeping things in sync issues, but like if someone's listening to this, they love Node, they love JavaScript, they or they're getting into Node for you know Node or just in JavaScript in general, and they're a front end designer hacker and they want to sort of jump in, or that that back end person that's listening to the show, where do they go? What what um, you know? In what ways can the community step in and start helping you make this real if yeah. they want to? I think the clearest. Path is is definitely assembly. I think that's you know that's what it's there for. If you go to assembly.com/buckets, you get a lot of great basic info. Uh, just sign up. It takes like a minute, and then and then you can just browse the, the bounties. And like I said, there's like a hundred of them. You can um, if if literally none of them look interesting to you, just tell me what you are interested in doing, and I'll see if there's something there. I tell a lot of people, you know, it's not just about, it's, it's like not GitHub, it's not just about development, and it's also not just about design, I think. Like, I would love to eventually, maybe it's a little soon for this, but like eventually just have sort of an advisory panel of, of people who make websites for other people and just what do they want out of their systems? Like what do Drupal users really yeah. wish was part of it? Or, or what is somebody's pain points with Expression Engine? Those types of things, you know, however minor, even just, you know, recommendations or um, just feature requests are, are totally appreciated. And our, our famous question, Jared, which is uh, 
Which is, who is your programming hero? Some people come on the show, they mention a few, some mention one. You know, the, it's, it's open-ended. Who's your, who's your hero? So I've been trying to think about this for the past hour. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with uh, 37 Signals is a generally a huge source of inspiration. Uh, a lot of their inspiration is what goes into buckets. It's the idea that we could do something small, profitable, that's not VC-backed, that is, um, you know, profitable enough to sustain the people that work on it and not necessarily start bringing in $50 million a year. But, you know, that sort of mentality and the mentality that, that it can be a small team, it can be, um, you know, 10 people that make this thing that, that hundreds of thousands of people use um, is definitely a big inspiration. Wow. Well, Dave, I, I know that, uh, you know, we've been, we've had you on the show, like I said, once before back at episode 30, uh, that's at, uh, that's on the site. You can, y'all can go back and listen to him talk about Central with wind back in the day, but you know, we're a fan of what you're doing. However we can support, we obviously want to support you in, in that endeavor and anybody who's listened to the show, follow, follow Dave and figure out what he's doing with buckets and, and, uh, see how you can plug in. We got, uh, a couple of sponsors. We want to give some thanks to for the show. Cause that's how we make this show possible, along with our awesome members who make it possible as well. Uh, CodeShip, DigitalOcean, and TopTile, super awesome partners. Those guys, all three of those sponsors pretty much help keep the change log alive. So if you don't use CodeShip, you're not hosted on DigitalOcean, and you don't hire developers or you're not an elite engineer through TopTile, we're just we're just showing big old emoji sad faces around here. So um, next next week we do have all things Pearl with Codus Poe. Curtis. Uh, Curtis, right? That's yep. what I said. Curtis. Yep, that's right. Yeah, Curtis. We're excited about that because this is. I think this might be our first Jared of having Pearl on the show. We've probably mentioned it, but never yep. a project or someone that can come and speak to Pearl the language. Um, Maybe get caught up. Yeah, wow. we're excited. So that's next Friday. We'll record, but uh, that's what's coming up next. So. That has been it for this show. Everybody on here, let's say goodbye. Bye. All right. Thank you guys so much. Bye. A little bit of an unusual ending there on my side. Sorry about that. But... uh, (laughs) Codis, you said Codis. Okay, I, I literally couldn't name a designer. So. <laughs> I, was say, name a, I was gonna tell you to just name a couple, but uh, I could swear I said Curtis, not Codis. Well, you know the audio, <laughs> the audio won't lie. Aaron will tell you. <laughs> I could have heard uh, it wrong, but I thought you said Codis Poe. Uh, no, maybe, I, maybe I did. I don't know. Listen back. Uh, listen to it back. Next week, we do have All Things Pearl with Codis Poe. Curtis. Uh, Curtis, right? That's what I said. Curtis. Yep, that's right.